Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Today, we are concluding a series that we have been doing uh, on the topic of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. And we have uh, been in it for a couple of months now been asking, like, who is he and what does he do and um, how do we relate to him? We began in the book of John. It was always my hope that we would come back to John because there was just a little piece left out. When we got into John, we started this series. We were really focused on what the Spirit does in the life of a believer. What does he do in a Christian as he comes to live inside him? So how do we live with him? How, what does he do? How do we relate to him? There's a whole other piece that John mentioned about how do you, uh, what's God do for those who don't know him? How, how does the Holy Spirit relate to them? So it was always my hope that we would circle back and hit that piece, and today I want to do that. And what Jesus was telling us in that little section of John was, I have to leave, guys. Stolen disciples, I got to leave. I need someone, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to do the impossible, because you got an impossible mission I mean, he just handed the, entire, the mission of reaching the world with the gospel to 12 guys, and then he left. And I mean, the disciples, as pumped as they are, as motivated as that you could possibly be in that moment, there's a, there's a part of them are going, okay, bye. Uh, you know, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus is saying, it can't happen without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to make this mission happen. Uh, There is no spiritual life. It would be impossible for anyone to have the spiritual life that Jesus is describing unless the Spirit comes. And in John, we learn why. We learn why it's impossible for anyone to understand what Jesus was saying without the Holy Spirit. And I want to read the text to you. I want you to see. Here's what Jesus says to them. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I'm going away. If I do not go away, the advocate, that's what he calls the Holy Spirit, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So I've got to leave, and I'll send him. And when he comes, okay, what's he going to do? They're hanging on the edge of their seat because they need to know this. Uh, When he comes, he will, here's what he's going to do. He's going to prove the world wrong. It's a powerful statement. Concerning three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. Now what I want you to see, what I'm going to help you see, is why the spiritual life is impossible without the Holy Spirit making that come alive to us. We're incapable of coming to grips with two realities. One of them is a very hard, ugly truth. And one of them is a very wonderful, beautiful truth. Um, The hard, ugly one is how clueless we can be and how blind we can be to our own personal sin. And because of that, it 
becomes extremely difficult for us to see the beauty of what Christ has done for us. Something we could not have done for ourselves. So without the Holy Spirit, you're kind of hopeless and you're doomed. But with him, you have the possibility of being rescued and transformed. So let's look at this text. Jesus starts out with a word. Whenever he says this line right here, I tell you the truth, it means listen up. This is really important. I'm underlining it. Don't miss this truth. So truth has been a a theme with the Holy Spirit. The, The Holy Spirit's purpose is to drive spiritual truth home. Even truth you think you know but you don't really know, he drives it home inside your heart. Okay, he's, he's called the spirit of truth right here in this same chapter. So it's to your advantage that I'm going away and the advocate will come. The advocate, I told you, uh, sort of in passing, we didn't belabor it last time in John, refers to the Holy Spirit. When you hear the Holy Spirit, you usually think at this phrase here, you might interpret that the comforter, the helper, the counselor. But the advocate is more of a prosecuting attorney. This is a courtroom scene. It's a very heavy scene. It's heavy topics. Um, I just watched, maybe you've seen it on Netflix, a documentary uh, about the staircase. See that? This man has had two wives over a period of years, both who died at the bottom of a staircase. And they're trying to prosecute him for doing it. And you're let in. 13 episodes. And you're let into the evidence, you're let into the courtrooms, you're let into the personal lives, you're seeing it all. One minute you think he did it, the next minute you think he, he didn't. And you're watching the whole court scene and you're drawn in and the, and the defense attorney, who I really sort of liked a lot, just naturally on the, defending him, just a likable character, uh, would say, every time somebody would get to the stand, he would say something like this. He would say, now before you answer that question, remember... This man's life is on the line for what you're about to say. This man's life is on the line. And that's the feeling here. Our lives are on the line for the truth that's being. And the advocate, who in this case is the prosecuting attorney, where it becomes really important that we see ourselves for who we are, and he's got to do that in order for us to benefit. That's sort of the feel and the mood uh, in the room, okay? And here's what John is essentially trying to say. The Holy Spirit is going to do. We misunderstand what is wrong and we misunderstand what is right. And because of it, we cannot come to a correct judgment. That's sort of the idea. So we're trying to learn where right and wrong and judgment lie things that matter to us infinitely. And I'll show you how. Uh, And John links these three together such that if you can't identify what's wrong, you're going to have a real hard time identifying what's right, and then you're going to have a poor outcome. It's going to be... And again, let me just say what the defense attorney said. Life's on the line on this. Life's on the line for this. And here's the irony of it, and it's a beautiful irony in the backdrop of this legal sort of courtroom scene, is that Jesus is about to be on trial. He's a night away from being on trial, a day away from being on trial as he teaches this. And the world is about to condemn him, a righteous man. Pilate will say of Jesus three times, 
not guilty, and yet he ends up on a cross. We're about to condemn an innocent man. I said James Brown in the first service, according to James. Now, that's really James Brown, not James Brown. He's not a theologian. Raymond Brown, who was a commentator. Uh, his name is Raymond Brown. I always say James Brown. Uh, but his name is uh, Raymond Brown. Older commentary on, on John, and it's a great one, but it's, it's technical. Don't buy it. Just, it's, uh, here's what he says. This... This work of the Holy Spirit represents a retrial of the trial of Jesus. What does that mean? He says, well, when the evidence all comes in and it's properly weighed, he says, it's the world that's found guilty, not Jesus. That's what he said. So. Essentially, John is saying, Jesus is saying, as a human as human beings, we are spiritually dense. These are hard things to understand and to get. So let's look, okay, uh, at this. Here's what essentially is going on. You're going to be convicted uh, or um, you're going to be, you're guilty of sin is what Jesus or the Holy Spirit's going to say. You're guilty of sin. You're convicted based on a standard that's not yours. This is the standard you're going to be convicted on. And then there'll be an ultimate judgment for it. And it'll be a right judgment, and it'll be a fair judgment, because everybody will be judged on the same standard. All right? Uh, Now, John is going to give you, he's going to say, well, what about sin here? He's going to say, well, they don't believe in me. And what he means by that is, you can see the clearest in their sin in that they reject me. They reject me. And then you can see concerning righteousness because I'm going to the Father. What what does he mean by that? Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was heading back to the Father. And when he rose from the dead, it validated everything he had said and everything he had done on the cross. He wasn't just a martyr, wasn't just a great teacher, wasn't just a prophet. By rising from the dead, he proved that he was. All the mysteries of the world are solved in that one event. Because if he rose from the dead, then everything else he said is true. He's the authority. I mean, you don't know anyone who rose from the dead, do you? That's what you're counting on. That's what John is saying. It validated everything, his resurrection. So by going back to the Father, it proves that what Jesus said about righteousness, what the standard is of righteousness, is him. And even though we convicted him of sin, he wasn't guilty. And the third one is the judgment. If the ruler of the world concerning judgment, if the ruler of the world is going to be condemned, anyone associated with him can expect to be condemned as well. And there will be a judgment. That's what he's saying. And the Holy Spirit has to bring these truths home to us. I call them the two wonders of the spiritual world. The two wonders of the spiritual world. And they are not easy to see. They are very hard to see. One of them is, makes, and both of them make Christianity very unique. The first one is Christianity will look right at you and it's not afraid to offend you and tell you you're not good enough to get to heaven. That's the offensive son. That's one of the wonders of the spiritual world. The second part of it is, even though you're not good enough, Jesus has done something so amazing as to deal with that problem that you have. 
Those are your two wonders of the spiritual world that make Christianity unique from every other religion in the world. God has to solve his own problem with us because we can't do it. So you see something, you see something with the sin and the righteousness and the judgment, you see something ugly. But with what Christ has done, with Jesus being at the bottom of all of these, you got sin, righteousness, and judgment, and then you got Jesus who we believe in, you got Jesus who rose from the dead, and you got Jesus who's the judge. So he becomes the focus of attention. So you got the ugly thing and you got the beautiful thing. And they're both wonders of the spiritual world, very hard to see. Let's start with sin as we relate to that. Let's talk about this because. John Stott says this, the Holy Spirit has the ability to come in, take these moral categories which human beings otherwise despise and resist and make them a solemn reality. That's the goal today. So let's do that real quick. All right, let's start with sin. Because we have a sort of spiritual blindness going on here. Uh, A spiritual obtuseness to our own sin, big or little. Not only... Can't, can't we see, but we don't want to see. I just went to, um, I was in a dentist office this past week for a tooth. I'm having problems with, no one seems to know how to solve it. it looks like I'm going to have to have surgery on this tooth to save it. We're not even sure that's going to work. I got serious issues. So I'm in this dentist office after, the, after three or four different remedies. Uh, and he says, okay, Pete, I'm going to have to bring you in in a couple of weeks. I'm going to knock you out. You're gonna, I, I need to know how to knock you out. We're going to take your vitals today. And my assistant will help you with that. He leaves, just comes in, takes some vitals, needs to know some things, and then asks me to stand up. And as she does, she puts a scale down on the floor. She says, please stand on there. And then she said this to me, and I wrote it down. (laughs) What she said to me. She said to me, if you don't want to see it, you can get on it backwards. That's what I do. (laughs) I said, what? Yeah, I get on it backwards so that I don't see the number. And now, you could be offended by a number of things on that. Because at first I was thinking, does she think I'm going to be really shocked? Is she afraid for me? Like, is she afraid for the number that I'm about to see? I'm sorry. You're going to be sad. The second thing was, it, re- it reminded me just how we don't want to know the truth, the full ugly truth about ourselves. We'd rather just believe something good about ourselves. That number can't be right. <laughs> right? Nietzsche was the one who said, we fear all truth. T.S. Eliot said, human beings can't bear very much reality. And he's right. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to come. Did you ever see that cop show? Remember the cop show they used to have where they set the bait out for a, a car to be stolen? And I don't know if it's still on anymore, because, uh, it, but... But what they, what they would do is they'd, they'd set up a car in a place where cars get stolen a lot. And, and you'd see it all on video. You got it all on video, inside and outside. You're watching the whole thing. And this guy will case the car. Or a couple of guys will taste, taste the vehicle. And they're going to, and they're, you could tell the adrenaline's flowing in them. And, and they're looking around. They're panicking. But they get in that vehicle and they realize, and they're looking around like this inside it. You can see everything. And uh, they make they get it going, and they take off. And, man, you can just feel what they're feeling. And they're running, and they have it set up to where that car stalls, and the door's locked. 
And there you are just sitting there inside this car and the video's watching everything. Meanwhile, within seconds, you can see this guy's flailing to get out. Anything he can do to get out of this car. But he can't. And within seconds, the cops are there surrounding it with bright lights and a knock comes on the window. And whenever the knock would come on the window, this is what I saw multiple times. The man in the car panicking would go literally like this. I didn't do anything. That's exactly what he would say. I didn't do anything. And I'll tell you why. Because being caught so utterly red-handed like that is too much for the mind. We can't handle it. We'll actually say in the face of this truth, really, I didn't do anything. If you really look at it close, because that's, it's, it's just very difficult. We have sort of an infinite capacity to rationalize our bad sides. So the mafia guy, the mafia guy says, yeah, you know, you know I'm part of the mafia. Yeah, I kill people. But I'm good to my mother. I'm good to my mother. I bought her a home with the money. I bought her a home. I'm good to my mother. And what's he do? You're like, wow. He is justifying killing. But here's what he has. Here's the other thing he's done. He's created a category that to him is worse than killing people. You don't treat your mother right. That's the worst possible thing you can be, and I'm not that. That's what we do. That's the reason why the Holy Spirit has to help us understand righteousness. Because not only do we not adequately see the ugliness of our sin, we also start creating new standards that help us, that let our sin look better than other people's sin. And so we create categories of things we're not, and we believe we deserve it. This is the reason why we don't believe in Jesus. We don't have to. Our sin might not be fantastic, but... I'm not like so-and-so. And And you ought to catch yourself. You really ought to catch yourself creating the categories that you make for the people that you despise. Can't believe they'd do that. I would never do that. And as you're doing that, you know what's rising up in you? Arrogance and pride and almost God, even though I'm not perfect, I'm not like them, so you owe me something. That's how, that's how it works. I don't have to believe in anything really Jesus did because I'm not as bad as everybody else. That's what happens. Now, uh, now, here's the truth. Francis Schaeffer said, you ought to take this test. He said, imagine yourself in heaven, and when you get there, Jesus hands you a recorder, a recorder that you didn't realize you had on all your life that hung from your neck. You didn't know you had it on, but it recorded, and the only thing it recorded was every, every time you set a standard for other people and, and judged other people. And all that record is every time you said, I hate them, I'm not like them, and they should be like that, I wish they were more like that. Every time you did it, it was recorded. And then you get to heaven and you stand before God. Francis Schaeffer would say, God's going to play that for you. You're going to hear every single standard you created over a lifetime. How many times do you think you've set a standard over a lifetime? You're going to painstakingly go through every one. And here's what Jesus is going to do. Then, a, then, a rec- then he would say, a video is going to be played of your life, and we're going to show you how many times you didn't even meet the standards you set for other people. So not only do you not only meet 
Uh, are you incapable of meeting the, your own standards of righteousness? You'll never meet his standard of righteousness. Perfect holiness. You never will. How many times have you ever said this? You know, so-and-so. Can you believe what he's doing? He does, he's, he's mad at so-and-so for doing this. Look at him. He's doing the same thing. Have you ever said that about anyone? Look at him. He's doing the same thing. He can't see he's doing the same thing, but you can see he's doing the same thing as the judgment he's giving to somebody else. Yeah. What happens? So you can't meet your own standard, and that's why you're judged. That's why you can't meet the, There's no way to win in this courtroom setting. There's just no way. That's the hard, ugly truth. But there's a wonderful reality. I want to give it to you real quick. Um, and it's the bottom part. It's what Christ has done. So here you believe in him. Here he dies on a cross and he rises from the dead. And this becomes the way God solves this problem that we cannot solve. How do you avoid judgment? The judgment that is certain to come. How do you you avoid that? Uh, Romans 6.23. Let's see where I have that. I think it's here. Um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the standard. We don't meet it. That's the bad, hard, ugly truth. But here comes the good truth. We're all justified. That's a very legal term. It's a courtroomy term. It's uh, where God sees us as being right even though we're not. Freely, by his grace, through the redemption of Christ, through the cross, Uh, through the cross and the resurrection, those two events solve the problem we can't solve in the courtroom. And he goes to great lengths. This is the second wonder of the world. It's really hard to see how beautiful what he has done for you if you can't see how ugly your sin is and how desperately you need it. But imagine yourself in a courtroom about to be condemned. First Corinthians 12, 3 says, so I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. Anyone who has the Spirit in them would never say Jesus is cursed. No one, listen to this, here's what Jesus was saying all along, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can help you see the beauty of what Christ has done for Oh, and by the way, there's a struggle going on because, look at this, our gospel is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing because the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe that they would not see, look, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God. There's someone, there's an evil that's even helping you not see the beauty of what Christ has done. So the Holy Spirit helps you see the ugly truth and see the beautiful reality of what Christ has done. <laughs> let me tell you, let me, let me, Jesus was willing to come and be falsely accused so that you could go free. You know the horrible feeling of being falsely accused? It may be one of the worst. 
Jesus came and let a courtroom of fallen human beings convict him of sin. So that one day you could see the truth of what he was doing and when he rose from the dead, you'd validate that what he was accomplishing all along was what we could never accomplish. And he was willing to be falsely accused so that ultimately one day in judgment we could go free. I'll close with this. I was... uh, I'm, by the way, be easily deceived into thinking you, you've got this figured out. But I want to say this. Lots of people would say they believe in Jesus, but it's never transformed their life. It's not changed hardly anything of their life. They would say somewhere tucked around is a belief, but it hasn't changed them. Listen, the, the only thing that changes people is, what, is the grace of, what, of God. And when you're overwhelmed by his grace... You're transformed. You can't live the same anymore. You don't want to go back to being or living the ugly hard truth. So I'm reading, um, before I go to bed at night, C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Always said I'd get to it someday, and uh, uh, be honest, it's really not a good time for me to be reading it, but I'm reading it. Uh, And I'm reading it at night, and um, I love it. I'm really loving it. And I'm actually also reading Dissertations, that have been written about it because it's three books, uh, Out of the Silent Paralandra and uh, uh, The Hideous Strength, and that's the third of them. And so uh, I'm reading even some academic works on them because I want to understand it fully, and it's beautiful. It's just incredible what's happening there. So uh, I'm really loving it. Uh, well, Out of the Silent Planet, Earth is, a, is cast out sort of of the whole space system. We're the evil planet, and all the other planets have sort of disowned us, and we are living sort of on our own now. And the story is about a main character named Ransom who is taken to these other planets. He gets, long story, is taken by a ship to these other planets. And he, and it's almost, he's seeing worlds he hasn't seen before. And, and to some degree, bringing the sin of the darkness of the earth to these other planets, that kind of thing's going on. And so the whole story just is unfolding like that. Well, in the last one, the angels that live on these other planets, these good angels, are uh, eventually come to earth in the last book. And Gary Burge, who was a commentator on uh, the book of John, actually uh, helped me see this. It was really beautiful. Um, because they come and they visit Ransom, this character. And here's what it says. Suddenly they appear in dazzling brightness in Ransom's quarters. They are like shining pillars of light, powerful and dangerous, spinning at a speed you can't fathom. So I've kind of, I picture them almost like... Uh, tornadoes like this. So imagine these pillars of light spinning really fast, just sort of overwhelming that, that appear. This is how the angels appear to him. Uh, but he notices, kind of like you might notice, that they're not vertical. They're about 10 degrees off. And it gets in his head. And he's trying to figure out what that is. And Lewis is, of course, drawing attention to the evil of the planet. And he says... Uh, he's trying to figure out what's wrong. And here's essentially what happens. He realizes they're 10 degrees off. And for the first time, Ransom sees 
true vertical. He's trying to figure out why aren't they vertical? And he realizes it's not them that's off 10 degrees. It's him. Because the planet that he's on is dark and sinful. And it's not them that's off by 10 degrees. It's him. And so uh, he realizes what true vertical is in this, in this image. And he realizes at the same time that the entire world is irregular. And here is what I love that C.S. Lewis says. Ransom knows that the floor is not quite level. This is when it really is just a graphic picture of sin and evil. That it's not level. It takes the Holy Spirit to help you realize you're the one off. Not God and his standard. Jesus is true vertical. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's the world that is skewed. It's reality that is skewed. Christ is true vertical. Bow your heads, would you? Father, my prayer right now is someone in this room for the first time might really see just how off their own hearts really are. And even more, Lord, might see the beauty of who you are and what you have done. I pray that someone's eyes and hearts will be open to that, that your spirit will open their eyes. Because there's nothing in the world like it, nothing so transforming as we grasp the world the ugly truth of our sinfulness and the wonderful beauty of Christ and what he has accomplished for us. All we have to do is trust in what you've done. And we're grateful for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.